All right, good morning, folks. Today is Friday, July 21st. <clears throat> I just, I just like aggressively chewed an apple fritter to, to have a clear mouth, be able to say the beginning of the intro, and I don't think I got it all. Excuse me. Good morning, everybody. Today is Friday, July 21st. This is episode number 413 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Osher, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Dave Parker, Travis Connor, Jenny Housley, The Quiet Gamer, Dama, people on LinkedIn, people on YouTube, first-timers and long-timers, we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be providing my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break in the industry, uh, we're going to get you covered with terminology, concepts, current events. The, the gambit, you will be asked in any job interview, how do you, well, at, at some point, if you go through a battery of interviews, at some point, at least once, if not multiple times, you will be asked, how do you stay current on cybersecurity? This episode, this show, every single day, this is a great answer for you. Now, before we get into it and start melting your face with top cyber news, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors. They... Uh, enable me to pursue this dream of serving this community. So I desperately uh, thank them for their support. Starting with my good friend Brandon Poole over Panopsi. I literally, literally had a conversation with somebody last night and this morning, continued the same conversation about quantif. Oh, Jesus Christ. What? Hold on. Whoa. We almost had a major issue here, folks. I'll tell you about that at jawjacking. Wow. Um, I had a conversation last night with somebody at, uh, I can't name, uh, asking about fair risk assessment methodology, quantified risk assessment methodology. Um, guys, if you need a quantified risk assessment methodology executed on your environment to look at your people, your process, your technology, your threat landscape, and give you statistically sound, fact-based results on what your statistical likelihood of suffering certain cyber incidents are, like ransomware, and then what certain decisions will, how the certain decisions like implementing MFA, implementing PAM, implementing network segmentation, doing more frequent cybersecurity awareness education, right? Like whatever it is, how that's going to adjust those percentages of likelihood of suffering cyber incidents. Believe me, a quantified risk assessment, very invasive, but the outputs are amazing. And you can build a three-year roadmap for your company, uh, three-year like cybersecurity maturity roadmap uh, with the outputs of a quantified risk assessment. So holler, holler, holler. And, um, you know, call Panopside. Links in the description below. My man, Language Express, knows I... Best friends. Yep. Hell yeah, man. I love tacos. I, you know why I love tacos? Because you can have breakfast tacos. You can have uh, ch- like chill little, like yum, 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 like little like snackable tacos. You can have big beefy tacos. You could get tacos like in the street, in a food truck, at a restaurant. Like they're very versatile, right? I love, and, and, oh, and, um, like they're small enough where like everybody can eat the amount of taco that they want, right? It's not like you order a prime rib and you're like, Jesus, I wasn't this hungry, right? You can have one taco, two taco, three taco. You can go bananas if you want. So holler at holler, 
Thanks, Language Express, for the tacos. All right. Also want to say shout out to Anti-Siphon Training. I'm sure they like tacos, too. John Strand, emote in the tray. Give John some love. Uh, Anti-Siphon Training. It, ooh. El Scott Munoz with the gifted subs. Come on. It's going to be one of those days, huh? Friday. I love myself some Fridays. Guys, if you're looking for incredibly affordable, really high-quality cybersecurity training, mate, May I suggest anti-siphon training? Click on the link in the description below. They have live training. They have on-demand training. What I always want to bring your attention to is this one. Pay what you can training, okay? They have eight different courses that are excellent that are pay what you can. So if you can if you can afford $0, then that's what you can afford. If you can afford $5, $10, up to $575. Now, you might be like, why would I pay $575 if I can pay 0 Here's the reason. It's pay what you can, right? Say your business is paying for it. Say you have taken a lot from Black Hills Information Security and you finally, you know, nailed the job you wanted or got the promotion you were looking for and you want to give back to the community. You know, that's why. Like I myself uh, have taken active defense in cyber deception and I, I had my business pay $300. You know what I'm saying? So this is awesome, awesome, high quality training. Three of the eight courses are taught by John Strand himself, who is a legend in our industry. Uh, So check out the training, see if there's something for you. Uh, Also want to say shout out and love to Barricade Cyber, but more about them in the mid-roll. Guys, if you are here live, remember that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So it stacks up two and a half a week, 10 a month. So be sure to say what's up in chat. Take a screen cap and, um, and and get credit for the CPEs of being here, right? Yes, being here and absorbing the knowledge and networking, that is real value for you to here also. But, you know, tracking CPEs is a thing that we have to do. So get on it. Hashtag team live if you're not sure what to say, at least so you can say that you're here. Nick Barker on the left coast getting up at a 5 a.m. start. Nick, thank you for beating the sun this morning. Good to see you and love your energy. If you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay in chat. Uh, Chris Weaver, if you're watching on replay, great questions yesterday for IPSEC. Loved the engagement. All of team replay. Uh, I love engaging with all you guys. Uh, Boston Rob, bro, what, let's talk about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge at Team Replay. Uh, hit me up in the comments. Guys, another new hashtag that I'm really super happy about, hashtag first timer. If you are a first timer, if this is your first episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief, you're like, well, oh. you know, maybe someone told you about it. Maybe you're like, what's this? I'll click on this. This looks okay, right? If you're a first timer, hashtag first timer in chat. We do love high-fiving our first timers and letting them know what's up. Uh, you know, genuinely appreciate it. Hashtag team hybrid, hashtag passive observer. Be good. Nick Barker, stay tuned, my friend. I'd love to give you the challenge baton getting up at 5 a.m. for it. You got it, brother. Uh, we'll see it at the mid-roll. Darius Cater with the first timer. Welcome, Darius, to the show. Hope you're enjoying it. Thanks, Stephanie. Hey, Brian. Uh, oh, I got one other fun thing. Um, maybe we could do at um, at the mid-roll really quickly. Let me, let me, hold on one second. We are at, we are at, um, 69, hold on. We're at 69,973. So if you're watching the show and you aren't subscribed to the YouTube channel and you're interested in that, it would be cool as crap to 
uh, hit 70,000 live on stream this morning. All right, now, do me a solid. Sit back, relax, get your coffee or beverage of choice, and let the cool sounds of the hot, hot news wash over you in an awesome wave. I'll see you all at the mid-roll. 21st, 2023. New P2P infect worm targeting Redis servers on Linux and Windows systems. Cybersecurity researchers have uncovered a new cloud-targeting peer-to-peer worm called P2P Infect that targets vulnerable Redis instances for follow-on exploitation. According to Palo Alto Network's Unit 42 researchers William Gamazzo and Nathaniel Quist, quote, running on both systems makes it more scalable and potent than other worms, end quote. They added the worm is also written in Rust, a highly scalable and cloud-friendly programming language. It's estimated that as many as 934 unique Redis systems may be vulnerable to the threat. The first known instance of P2P Infect was detected on July 11th of this year. All right, so Redis is a technology. I'm not super familiar on uh, what you use Redis. Actually, hold on. Like Redis Wiki. I've heard about it, but it's very specific. Redis is an in-memory data structure store used as a distributed in-memory key value base database okay so it sounds like redis is um kind of one of these like a memcache server or a cdn server so it's it's the server this is what i'm just getting now it's these servers that have data on them and allows you to query them and be able to pull and the reason you'd want to have a bunch of them is so if you're in australia my aussie friends oi 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 um you know you're getting it from a, a kind of a localized database and then I'm getting it from a US-based database, but the, the Redis technologies keep it all in sync. All right, so that's Redis. It is like anything else. It's internet-facing, it's full of data, and if it's misconfigured, it's a problem. Um, I think it's peer-to-peer because the Redis servers are peer-to-peer, not because this is 1999 and we're all up on LimeWire and uh, oh, what was the other one? What was the popular one? Napster, right? We're not doing peer-to-peer in Kaza. We're not doing peer-to-peer malware infections that way. It's the Reddit servers talking to each other. Two things that I, um, three things. One, if you are you if you are using Redis technologies in your environment, you absolutely know it. You wouldn't accidentally have Redis, Carl. Carl in accounting does not stand up a Redis server. So if you have Redis, you know you have it. Make sure it's configured correctly. Two. Um, excuse me. They mentioned that Unit 42 is the um, group that uh, is is writing a report or, uh, you know, broke this news or whatever. You can see right here, uh, Nathaniel Quist and William Gamazo. I'm going to click right here and drop a link in chat. Unit 42 is Palo Alto's, uh, like, you know, kind of security research, threat research group. I'm going to put a link here. I I fully, wholeheartedly respect... um, Unit 42 as a, I guess, like a security research outlet. Basically, there's a certain couple, like blogs, for lack of a better term, uh, out there that if you see something that they write, boom, thumbs up, it's guaranteed. You don't have to qualify it. It's good to go. Uh, Unit 42 is definitely one of those. I love, I love Unit 42. So if you have time, it's definitely worth looking at. And the final thing I'll say about this story is... I was on Wednesday um, offensive, Red Siege is Wednesday offensive. So if you're into offensive security and you want like a chill 
cool community thing. Uh, every single Wednesday, I think at 1 p.m. Eastern time, Red Siege <clears throat> puts on Wednesday Offensive, um, and it's worth looking at. But the reason I bring it up is because Heather Ballas was their guest here. I'll drop a link in chat. Heather Ballas was the uh, guest. So they have a guest every week as well. Uh, Heather Ballas, who's like the manager for uh, Differ over at CrowdStrike, was the guest. And she was talking about how it's no surprise, guys, that Linux systems get hacked. But her, you know, she's working different cases all the time. She she was pointing out that like a lot of Linux systems um, are, I wouldn't say misconfigured, but not hardened um, well enough. And she's seen it a lot in her her line of work. So if you are uh, running Linux systems in your IT infrastructure, which is very common, right? I like to think of uh, like Windows as cows and Linux servers as bulls, right? You might you have probably way more cows floating around the farm, but you got a couple bulls, and they are important to the farm ecosystem. That's what Linux is. So make sure that you you know bring some Krispy Kremes for your Linux admins. And oh, thank you, Leonardo. It's 1:30 Eastern time for Red Siege. Thank you. Uh, bring your Krispy Kremes to your network engineer, uh, your Linux engineers. Hell, grab a second dozen for the network engineers because you're going to need them at some point also. And just make sure that. <clears throat> they're hardened. And if you do hire pen testers, um, make sure that part of the scope of the pen test is Linux systems because um, it's just, you know, based on <clears throat> actual evidence coming from CrowdStrike. All right, next story. Oh, also written in Rust. Rust is wicked fast. Somebody put it in chat. TCM, actually TCM, I'm wearing the shirt today. TCM has a class on Rust if you're looking to learn uh, a new language. Old fusion confusion. Adobe releases new patches for exploits and vulnerabilities. Following up on yesterday's story about Adobe's incomplete Cold Fusion patches, the company has announced another Cold Fusion update to patch three new CVEs. One of these latest, CVE 2023-38205, is the bypass for CVE 2023-29298, which had been exploited and chained with what appeared to be CVE 2023-38203. The software giant warned in its advisory that 38205 had been, quote, exploited in the wild in limited attacks, end quote. One of the problems with this patch issue appears to be some genuine confusion as a result of the similarities in the CVE labels and the speed by which they are being released. Well, that sucks. <clears throat> All right, so a couple of things here. One, <laughs> one uh, you know, we talked about this yesterday, cold fusion. <clears throat> Cold, hey, Frederick, Cold Fusion, um, I had no idea that this was still out there. Somebody made the joke yesterday, like Dreamweaver, Microsoft front page. Like Cold Fusion was a tech, like, <laughs> like I remember in like 2001 uh, getting like a summer internship and I like cobbled together like a Cold Fusion portfolio the day before and like presented it. Uh, at the interview and they're like oh my god it like that and like it sucked that like it didn't suck but it it, it was like bloated and kind of it just it, i don't i didn't believe cold fusion still existed but apparently it is enough that adobe um is uh having a bit of a yard sale here with their patching they're releasing patches so quickly and the numbering convention is so similar that you know carl it, oh my god carl <gasps> Carl thinks that he patched it and he didn't patch it because it's a different patch, right? It's like, 
you know, uh, I don't know, like, go ahead and, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't have a good metaphor off the, the cusp here. But basically, long story short, if you're running Cold Fusion, if you have a an elderly grandparent running Cold Fusion, right? <laughs> if you've got some mainframe system down in the basement running Cold Fusion, right? And I, all right, so I am being discriminatory against Cold Fusion, which is not supportive and inclusive. So let, let me walk this back. If you do have some legacy technology uh, that uses Cold Fusion or you need um, like cold fusion in your life, right? I mean, there's jobs right now for COBOL, right? So there is needs for old technology. Make sure that you're patching um, and make sure that you're very, very clear about what patches you're applying. As apparently, you know, there's another round of exploits. Guys, here's a fun thing. Let me just, let me just share this with you. And uh, Leonardo, if you've got any thoughts on this, I'd love to see him in chat. Let me just tell you something really quickly. When, when a, not always, but a lot of the times when a vendor releases a patch, okay, it's literally like a patch. It's a band-aid. It goes over something. Maybe it replaces a file that was vulnerable with like a system function call that wasn't properly validated, right? Maybe it's uh, reaching out for a vulnerable library or something and they, they, they edit that out or whatever, right? A patch is basically just an edit in the code of a specific file or a you know configuration or whatever. Here is the deal. You can take a patch, right? You know how a patch is like a file, like run this patch, execute this. You can take the patch and you can decompile it, disassemble it. You can look at what the patch is. You can also, if you don't have that capability, you can have a copy of the pre-patched version and a copy of the post-patched version, and you can do a diff on it and you could see where the changes are. Now, why is this important? Well, if you know where the changes are, you can, A, you can see what they fixed. So if you didn't know what the vulnerable, like if you didn't know how to exploit it yet, or the, there was no exploit yet, you could deliberately see exactly what the problem was and then reverse it into a exploit. But also, and we saw this with Log4j, Log4j was like the biggest dumpster fire response uh, <laughs> like I'm almost positive it was log4j, um, where you release a patch and then the threat actors like get the patch, reverse it, see the problem, exploit the patch, and then rinse and repeat. So a lot of times when a vendor has a nine, eight vulnerability, that's like an absolute dumpster fire. They're like, holy crap, like all hands on deck. Let's get this patched ASAP. ASAP is the problem because you're not doing QC. You're not thinking of fringe cases. You're just getting it ASAP, <clears throat> which stands for as soon as possible. And what ends up happening is the patch can introduce new vulnerabilities. And since the threat actors are already going YOLO on the technology and exploiting the crap out of it, they're all primed up and geeked up, ready to rock and roll on attacking the patch too. So in conclusion, uh, there is um, th like there is research and security reversing and, and you know analysis done on patches for this exact reason so <clears throat> this isn't exactly what's happening here with adobe it's the problem is that people a second vulnerability was discovered and people think they patched it because they didn't but this is one of those the more you know moments uh where's my more you know emotes there we go leonardo thank you for your comment leonardo saying if you need to decompile the software in different versions the diff wouldn't be that helpful I believe because of reverse engineering magic, I'm not that knowledgeable in RE, but I would RE the patch. Yeah, 
definitely reverse the patch. That's definitely the thing. Um, and and when I'm saying diff too, um, it could be like diff of the file structures of the application, right? Like, is there new files? Is there files that have been removed, right? Okay. It's just a lot of people, in my opinion, you know, and I'm just one guy in a huge sea of cybersecurity. Um, in my opinion, most people just think of patches as like um, black box, like, you know, like, oh, it's a magic button. Click. Oh, I'm not vulnerable anymore. But like, you know, it's just code. So, all right, let's keep going. Keep going. Estee Lauder breached by two ransomware groups. Estee Lauder has become the latest big name to suffer an apparently serious ransomware breach after two groups claimed to have compromised the firm. The cosmetics giant was posted to the leak site of both the Alf v Black Cat and Klopp ransomware gangs, according to security researchers posting on Twitter. New York headquartered Estee Lauder counts brands such as DKNY, Joe Malone, Tommy Hilfiger and Aveda among its portfolio. It is warned that the incident would cause disruption to its business. The company has not publicly connected this hack to move it transfer, but Klopp is claiming to be in possession of its archives. Yeah, come on. Like, <laughs> the second they said Estee Lauder, it's like, all right, that's probably the move it. I got to tell you guys, if you want to have uh, a terrible day, like many of us are going to have a great Friday. If you're the CISO at Estee Lauder, you're probably having a terrible day. I can't think of two more... Um, like notorious ransomware gangs to be both claiming to have your data than Klopp and Alfie. Like that sucks. Like it's just, it's just short of like Revil coming out of retirement and announcing they also have your data. Right. So Estee Lauder, I, I don't know. I mean, again, this is just one of those, this is like, it's so I'm almost numb at this point, but it's just a big company works in the retail space. Yes. It is makeup, uh, but Estee Lauder is like a conglomerate now that owns all sorts of different properties. Just like, you know, Kraft owns, you know, a bunch of, you know, sodas and, and snacks and stuff like that. And Mondelez owns like Oreo and Nabisco and all these, all these things. And, uh, but my point is like Estee Lauder isn't just your, this isn't your mom's Estee Lauder. This is like a massive multi-billion dollar company, Estee Lauder. And they got breached. So I would imagine we'll see what happens. I, you know, as a decision maker on whether or not to pay the ransom, the question is, what's the impact, right? Like if they release the data, is it more expensive to deal with the cleanup than it is to pay the ransom? And like, literally it's a, it's a straight math, simple math decision, right? And I know it's not right because in, you know, 1950s, uh, America, it's like, do the right thing. And like, at all costs, like, you know, whatever, like, but I'm telling you, if it costs $20 million to buy the data back from both of them, or they're going to have like, oh, it's some, it's some employee information. Oh, don't worry. Like we'll spend $800,000 on identity theft and move on. The shareholders won't know. The shareholders won't care. All right. Like they'll make that decision because at the end of the day, Thank you, Randy. It is straight cash, homie. Anyways, long story short, I would, you know, the bigger the company you are, in my opinion, the more likely you are to experience a ransomware incident. Just because you're more porous, you have more attack surface, you have more people who can make bad decisions, right? 
Old Roblox data leak resurfaces 4,000 users' personal information exposed. Troy Hunt, founder of the website Have I Been Pwned, first alerted on Twitter on July 18th about a potential leak impacting attendees of the 2017 through 2020 Roblox Developers Conferences. Roblox RTC reported on the leak on Twitter the following day. The leaked list was shared in CSV format and contained 4,000 unique email addresses alongside standard PII. A source close to Troy Hunt states that the leak was recently republished on a public hacking forum and that high-profile users have started receiving malicious calls, texts, and emails due to the leak. And All right, so it's Roblox, but this is more about a developer's, um, developer's data. Um, guys, Roblox is a video game. If you have children or nieces or nephews, you know you know exactly what Roblox is. You know that you know that sound effect, mm, right? Or the Ooh, or whatever. Ooh. Like there's like this like sound effect that they make um, when <laughs> when they die, and it's it's uh, it like haunts my dreams. Um, so there is massive money in Roblox, right? You think it's just a video game. Like, uh, here, I'm going to Roblox revenue. Roblox, $2.23 billion. $2.23 freaking billion. So if you don't think for a minute that this is real stakes, then uh, you uh, haven't been paying attention. Roblox is massive, okay? So the developers... Um, are making content. They have, you know, financial transactions, microeconomy, all those things in there. So it would be juicy to compromise those people so you can get a little taste of that $2.23 billion. You feel me? Uh, so this is basically the inputs into a spear phishing social engineering campaign. Many, many attacks, guys. And I know this is a little broken record. Carl, developers, engineers, InfoSec professionals, we're all uh, vulnerable to phishing. And many, many, many cyber incidents start with a phishing attack, right? Because it's easy. It's easy to do it wholesale. It's easy to get intel on to craft the uh, phishing emails. It's easy to have landing pages. It's You know what I mean? Like it gets to your victim uh, and then they have to make a decision. So this is, if you were one of the developers, like, sure. You'd want to change your password, but we should, we should all, all, how many of us are here right now? All 252 of us, we should all be vigilant and educate our end user community and our family and loved ones to practice good cyber hygiene with email and phishing emails all the time because it's Roblox developers today. It could be your municipality tax records tomorrow. It could be your doctor's office next week. Like there is going to be ample intel on you as an individual, whether you've dumped it on the public internet and it can be discovered through OSINT or data breaches. But at the end of the day, with the more intel, they can get the guy out of here, you bug. They can craft more specific tailored social engineering and make it more credible and frankly, uh, be more successful. So just be on the lookout for that crap. Um, so Roblox, more you know. Now a word from our sponsor, OpenVPN. According to Oriel Hernan Villalba Pinzetta, a system administrator with CDEX cybersecurity and IT department, quote, the pandemic meant we could not come to the office and we needed to facilitate access to our local resources. 
Cloud Connexo was really easy and fast to set up. Two things we really needed at that moment. You can read more about this and about OpenVPN in the show notes to this episode. All right. Ofcom says it- Hold on. So it is the mid-roll, y'all, and I'm pretty excited about it. If you're new here and you don't know what the mid-roll is, it's a moment where we take a little bit of break, have a little bit of fun, do a unique event. Each single day has a different uh, activity, and we always listen to Simple Minds. All right, guys. Thanks so much for being here halfway through the show. I hope you're enjoying it. We're nailing it right at 8.30 Eastern time, so at the bottom of the hour. If you're getting value from the stream, if you're a first-timer, you're a long-timer, do me a solid. Hit the like button. If you're on YouTube or LinkedIn, it goes a long way for triggering those algorithms to tell it that this live stream is interesting to cybersecurity professionals and people who are searching for cybersecurity content, and it'll basically... It'll basically uh, load it to him. Michael Huskin announcing his first cyber job as a cybersecurity planning specialist. N- nailing it. Way to go, Michael. So happy for you. There's like a small bug in here. Super happy. Congratulations, man. So happy. Khalil, third timer. Well, hopefully you'll become long timer, Khalil. It's great to see you. Hi from Turkey. All right, guys. I told you at the mid-entry uh, that I would tell you about um, Barricade Cyber. Again, thanks to uh, Panopsi. Tell us, uh, hold on, uh, Panopsi and um, Anti-Siphon, but let me tell you about Barricade Cyber. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated hard work and business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at BarricadeCyber.com. Basically, if you're looking at a ransom note on your computer, go to BarricadeCyber.com and immediately get the help you need. They're like digital firefighters. This is their website. If you scroll down to the bottom, this right here, if you got a ransomware incident, you click right there. You could talk to Eric uh, at 1 p.m. today. So sorry, you're going to have to sit on that ransomware until after lunchtime. BarricadeCyber.com. All right. Uh, Jax, I will share my story in a second. Hey, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, Billy DP uh, had it the other day. Boston Rob was supposed to do it yesterday. I think something came up. I'm just going to, unless Jenny Housley uh, wrestles me to the ground, I'm going to go ahead and tag Nick Barker. Left Coast Love, Nick Barker, getting up at 5 a.m. this morning to uh, get on Team Live. And Nick, we'd love for you to take the baton and share your story on LinkedIn, brother. So let us know if you do accept it. Guys, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is an ongoing initiative where each day, one member of the Simply Cyber Community, even first-timers, if you want it to be, Khalil, go on LinkedIn. They post their cyber story, hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge in the story. And then people in our community connect with that person you comment on the post and you connect with the people in comments and what will happen is in a couple weeks of doing this two things one you'll build your linkedin network which is valuable and two your linkedin feed will start to get um enriched with just supportive inclusive valuable cybersecurity content and the linkedin platform will have even more value for you you got to put in a little bit of the work guys 
But by doing this and being part of this initiative, I guarantee you, you will see results that you enjoy. All right. It is Grayson's joke of the week. My son Grayson, every single Friday, does tell a joke. Um, and we love it. Uh, today's joke, uh, I'm going to modify it a little bit. But uh, Grayson said, Dad, did you know uh, when you go out to Black Hat and DEF CON this year that there's going to be a, a special ceremony for the Scarecrow? They're going to be giving him a major, a major industry award. And I said, why? A scarecrow? What are you talking about, Grayson? What's scarecrow? And he said, Dad, the scarecrow, he's outstanding in your field. He's amazing. So, outstanding in a field. Good job, Grayson. Thank you so much for the joke of the week, my friend. I love you, my son. Uh, and really quickly, just to take you back really quick, uh, at the start of the show, um, I keep a... Um, I keep a guitar right here, okay, in a big heavy case, and it had tipped forward. My desk goes up and down. It had tipped forward and jammed under my desk, so I was starting to like lower my desk, and it it, it was hitting the thing, and it was pitching. And my desk is very top heavy with lots of monitors, equipment, keyboard, uh, computers, and it started to tip back. My entire studio almost fell over <laughs> including a pot of coffee which i have no idea what that would have turned into but it would have been really bad uh really quick so you know don't <laughs> friends don't let friends eat apple fritters and in, in live stream if you're picking up what i'm putting down let's keep going and we will get back into the news also if you're live right now with us and you're on youtube and you're not subscribed consider hitting subscribe. We're at 69,979 subs on the channel. It'd be awesome to push it to 70,000 live on stream. Won't pay, move it, ransom. The UK government's communication regulator Ofcom, OFCOM, now one of 400 organizations known to be impacted by the Move It incident, states that, quote, it has not made any payment as per advice from the National Cybersecurity Center, end quote. Though it is believed that personal data of over 400 employees was downloaded during the attack, they reiterate that, quote, no payroll data was breached, end quote. While Klopp had listed on its site both Ofcom and Comreg, the general communications regulator for Ireland, both organizations have since been removed from that leak site. The reason behind the removal is not known, but Klopp claims it deletes government-related data that it steals. Yeah. Klopp claims it, but uh, the $10 million bounty per person's head for Klopp ransomware by the United States government would seem to <clears throat> would seem to suggest that the United States doesn't care if Klopp deleted that information, including nuclear uh, Department of Energy related data. All right. So Ofcom, I've never heard of Ofcom, but I'm sure they're a massive, faceless, wealthy conglomerate. Great cash, homie. Who was impacted by Move It? Hey, you know what, guys? Careful what you wish for. Klopp Ransomware uh, exploited the crap out of this Move It vulnerability, and they got a absolute payday. Like, you know in the um, slot machines, when there's like the, the, the bonus multiplier thing above all the slot machines, that's like, you know, uh, the jackpot, and it's like constantly going up because people are constantly dumping money into the things. Like Klopp Ransomware got the, you know, seven, 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 or like lemon, 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 whatever. And they cashed and hit the jackpot. Um, they, you know, they, they hit all seven numbers on Kino. Like whatever your gambling um, fix is, 
Klopp did it. So careful what you wish for because they got hundreds of different businesses data and they are, I'll tell you what, they are going, whoever these threat actors are, they are going to have lots and lots of digital money. Now you do have to convert that into real money and hope to God when you go to do that and when you go to spend it, that you don't have Interpol, Europol, and the US government upside your butt um, about to arrest you, which hot take, I think will happen downstream because um, the first world federal powers, they're pretty good at keeping an eye on the blockchain. Uh, there's a company called Chainalysis that's very good at it. They've helped with um, people who are into like child predator, predatory practices and stuff like that and gotten them arrested. Uh, check out Andy Greenberg's uh, Tracers in the Dark. Anyways, long story short, um, this is just another one and they're saying they won't pay the ransom. Okay, it's 2023, NBD. Like, okay, you're not gonna pay the ransom. Hopefully, and I say this all the time, guys, at your business, at your business, right? Or if you're interviewing, you absolutely, like ransomware should absolutely be on your threat model. You should absolutely have a plan and implemented it on handling ransomware. And when I say handling it, Everybody calls it cybersecurity, but it it should be called cyber resiliency. I'll die on that hill. No one's going to, it's a lonely hill. And no one's going to be on it but me, but it is cyber resiliency, not cybersecurity. So when I say uh, a handle ransomware, I'm saying protection mechanisms and response mechanisms and recovery mechanisms to map to my NIST CSF love. And I guess identify too. Um, you don't have to do the detection part the threat actor will handle that for you. Um, you need to protect to, to like kind of help it from happening, right? Like least privilege, access. I got into like a little bit of a tweet beef with somebody um, in Team Replay about um, the, the um, proliferation of excessive permissions for user access um, versus like implementing least privileges and the ease of that. I still, based on my experience, argue that it, it at least privilege is not done in most organizations and it's certainly not done well. But you have to do those type of things, patch your systems, know your technologies, not allow, you know, configuration management, all those things. But then you have to have solid backups. You have to practice the backups. You have to have, um, you, you like tabletop exercises, get leadership involved, right? When you get hit by a ransomware, there's going to be a lot going on. And in order to recover in a meaningful way, you need to have practiced and you need to ensure that your processes are going to work. So when Ofcom says it won't pay the ransom, my immediate thought is, okay, so Ofcom has definitely done their due diligence and prepped for a ransomware event. No question. Nobody comes out and says this if they're deciding how bad is it going to be yet, like to not pay it, right? They already know and they know that they can recover. So anyways... Um, if you're, if you're, if you're at your business and like ransomware is not a thing that you've been talking about, even if, even if you talk about it and decide it's not an issue, which I don't know how that would happen. Um, at least you've talked about it. Okay, let's go. China linked hackers target mobile devices with worm spy and dragon egg spyware. The infamous Chinese hacking group tracked as APT41 has been using two newly identified spyware strains to infect Android devices, according to cybersecurity researchers. 
The security firm Lookout says it has found links between the group and two Android spyware strains that it calls Worm Spy, spelt W-Y-R-M-S-P-Y, and Dragon Egg. Lookout said the sophisticated spyware could be used to collect camera photos, device location, SMS messages, audio recordings, and contacts. WormSpy pretends to be a default operating system app used for displaying notifications to the user, while Dragon Egg disguises itself as a third-party keyboard and messaging app like Telegram. Yeah. All right, really quick. I saw Jordan in chat say that Ofcom's a government agency and they follow government policy. I did not know Ofcom was government agency. The, the United States federal government has a firm policy that they will not pay ransom because it's basically like... Um, dealing with terrorists, which is a firm policy that they won't do. So that makes a lot more sense, uh, Jordan. And uh, then my my comment about how if they come out and say that, then they're they're prepped. Maybe they weren't prepped then. It's just they don't have a choice. They got to do it. All right. Uh, APT41. Um, I forget. They say Winnity and Brass Typhoon and formerly Barium. I feel like they have another name. APT41, in my recollection, is like the preeminent like the British Premier League uh uh Chinese team like like of of China backed state sponsored cyber you know crime gangs or whatever you want to call it APT41 is like the A team right APT41 like I want to say worm spy dra- no uh double dragon oh man that's cool like, I wish I was known as Double Dragon. That'd be sick. Um, I feel like they have a different name, though. Like, APT41's been around for a while. Um, what are they known for? Uh, they have, like, a major... They have a major um, attack. What, what was it? Does anybody know? I feel like... I feel like APT41, like, when it was, like... Like um, Fozzie Bear, Cozy Bear, like that was Russia. And at the same time, 41 was like doing some big things too. Um, let me see. I'm sorry. I'm like struggling on stream right now. Um, equation group. That's us. Uh, moving on. Um, anyway, I don't remember, but okay. So sorry. So APT 41, you know, we know them well enough to know exactly who they are. Obviously, um, China is not going to deport these guys. Uh, or what's it called when when um, a country like turns somebody over for criminal proceedings, uh, extradition. So they're not going to do that, but we know who they are. Um, basically, China's all in on espionage. We just we read stories every day of them stealing data. Uh, yesterday's story, MI6 had said that you got to be careful of data traps. Uh, these data arrangements where China is going to get, you know, give you some COVID technology, but in exchange, you have to change, you have to trade back uh, population health for people getting those things. Um, so, you know, this is, this is China's MO. They're good at it. They do it consistently. Um, this is two Android spyware strains. So if you're running Android devices, you may be, um, you may be affected. The thing is, APT41, they're not like some smash and grab wholesale spray and pray type thing. They are typically very sophisticated, very deliberate. So it's much more of targeted. Like, you know, um, let's target a bunch of people in 
you know, European uh, financial markets, or let's target political officials here, or let's target researchers at, you know, um, the Mayo Clinic, right? So the chances of, you know, like normal, not normal people, but like just run of the mill manufacturing, Carl, you're not necessarily going to get impacted, but just be mindful that there is malware out there. Um, it says no apps are coming from the Google Play Store. I don't know how prominent it is, like sideloading apps onto your Android device or um, not using the Google Play Store. But you know what? Actually, I got to tell you, just as a quick aside, I'm giving a talk at 9 a.m. So I'm not going to be doing jaw jacking today. But at 9 a.m., I'm giving a talk to a group of IT people. And I'm actually going, I'm going to bring this in um, to the talk. Because it's not apps coming from the Google Play Store, but it is Android malware. So where are you getting your Android uh, apps from? And I know that like, if you're an IT person, you feel like you, you're qualified to know if it's malware or not. But these five guys right here, they're not clowns. Like they're, they're good at what they do. And you know they're obviously getting it installed on a bunch of people's devices. So you know maybe pump the brakes on how good you are at like visually sniffing an Android or not visually sniffing. That doesn't make any sense, but sniffing an Android app and being like, Oh, it's clear. It's good. So anyways, also just as a, if you're a malware analyst, you might be able to pull worm spy or dragon egg from like VX underground or malware bazaar and uh, analyze it. Take a look at it. If you're interested in Android malware, support scammers trick victims into old school offline money transfer. According to Graham Cluley, writing in Tripwire's Fortra magazine, a new twist on the tech support scam that often involves mistaken deposits of cash into a victim's bank account with a request for it to be returned, now sees these fraudsters increasingly telling their victims to send actual cash concealed in a newspaper or a magazine via a shipping company in place of gift cards, money transfer apps, or even cryptocurrencies. Cluley suggests this switch to analog payments might be related to action taken by the FTC against payments firm Nextway, which had been accused of knowingly processing fraudulent credit card payments on behalf of tech support scammers. Cluley adds that although most cybersecurity pros would not fall for such a scam, a recent study from Microsoft shows that Gen Zers and Millennials are just as prone to losing money to scammers as are their elders. All right, so a <laughs> couple things here. One, anyone can fall for money scams. Two, um, how deplorable is this company Nextway to be knowingly processing fraudulent credit card transactions uh, in order to just uh, get a little taste of that money and then uh, have, you know, deny like, oh my, what? This is criminal transactions? Like, dude, if this turns out to be true, like, F you, Nextway. Like, that is, that is deplorable. All right. Second thing. <laughs> Second thing, dude, mailing cash in a, in a magazine to some random address overseas. Are you nuts? Dude, it's like one thing to be like, go buy a Best Buy gift card to reimburse me for money. Okay. I could see people falling for that, like elderly or whatever, but like, dude, send cash. Like I, I <laughs> I got news for you. Obviously, this is working or it wouldn't have been in the news, but let me just let me just pontificate for a second, okay? Where's my tinfoil hat? Let me just pontificate for a second. 
right now, if you are Gen Z, if you are like under 30, I'm, I'm like, hold on. If like, I want to start a poll. If you're under 30, right? If you're under 30, do you have cash, like physical cash? Okay, I'm just curious. I'm just curious, right? Like, I'm 43 and I barely have cash. I almost never use cash. I have a little bit of cash in like a um in like a bowl in our in our front foyer area where the keys and mail go and stuff like that. And it's literally like if we're going to go to like the Christmas light show at the local park and you have to pay $5 for parking and it's a cash transaction at the gate. Like we have cash for like random once in a while things like it's 2023 everybody has like touch to pay nfc venmo paypal like apple pay like what are you talking about send cash like i i mean maybe this is a u.s first world problem i'm I'm complaining about and maybe in other regions of the world cash is still king but dude what are we talking about here like here's my thing here's my thing like let's walk through the scam I fall for it. They get on my box. They pretend to reimburse me money and then they accidentally reimburse me too much. And then they're like, oh, we accidentally put too much in. You owe us $3,000. Oh, okay. They're like, go to your bank and get $3,000 cash and then mail it to us. Oh, okay. Like end call. Like I'm not going to the bank, dude. You have just made this like incredibly, incredibly inconvenient for me. I have to like, I have to get stamps. I have to go wait in line at the post office. I have to go to the bank. Dude, you just made, like scammer. You just asked, and with all due respect to Gen Z, okay, you just asked a population that gets dunked on for not wanting to like do a lot of work and stuff, like to, to go take multiple steps and like spend an entire afternoon running around town for this? Are you nuts, dude? No. No. And again, I'm just saying Gen Z gets dunked on. I don't have an opinion one way or the other on that. But my point is, this is stupid. This is so dumb. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Again, it must be working because it's out there. But dude, if you tell your end users, if at any point you find yourself, by the way, by the way, I didn't go to the bank, go to the post office, and then go, where are you going to get a newspaper in 2023? What are you, you going to go online to NewYorkTimes.com and then print it out and then wrap the cash in that? Nobody has newspapers anymore either. Hello? What are we, like, what? Famed hacker Kevin Mitnick, dead at 59. Kevin Mitnick, a hacker who famously served time in prison for various computer and communications-related crimes, has died after a battle with pancreatic cancer. At the time of his death, Mitnick was working as a security evangelist and chief hacking officer at NoB4, a security awareness training company based in Florida. Mitnick gained global fame in the mid-1990s when he was arrested by the FBI on computer hacking and wire fraud charges. He was sentenced to prison time after a plea deal and would later write books and pursue celebrity as the so-called, quote, world's most famous hacker ever, end quote. Yep. And now just a... Uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously day behind on the news, but we had a moment of silence yesterday. We talked about Kevin yesterday. 
Uh, I'm 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 glad to see that CISO series brought Kevin up as a story. Um, I found out my my wife told me last night. Um, she actually came in the room. She's like, "Oh, Kevin Mitnick died." And I was like, "Yeah, I know. We we talked about it this morning." She's like, "You could have told me." Like, of course I'm like absent-minded, but apparently like his wife is was is pregnant with their child, which is really a tough. That's a tough angle uh, to the story. Uh, Kevin really, you know, a great like advocate and uh, personality for our industry. Um, funny guy, nice guy, made hacking mainstream. He's one of the kind of the OGs. There's, you know, Kevin Paulson, Kevin Mitnick, Captain Crunch, uh, Freakers. Like, like th there's like a whole little kind of cavalcade of early wave, first wave hackers. And Kevin was in there. So uh, if you don't know about him, Google him. He's interesting. Uh, Ghost, is it Ghost in the Wire? Uh, was his book or one of his books? Yeah, Ghost in the Wire. If you're interested in learning more about Kevin, I'll drop a link in chat. So, yeah. Tough, tough loss. Um, 59 is pretty young, too. So um, rest in peace, Kevin. All right, guys, that's going to do it for... That's going to do it for the news today. Um, I want to thank all of you for being here. Uh, let's see how the poll did. Uh, looks like 28% of you do carry cash. Okay. So there you go. Um, uh, thanks everybody for being here. I uh, hope you got value from the show. I hope you uh, had a great work week. Uh, finish strong and enjoy the weekend if you are not working over the weekend. I I'm like on stream right now. Like... Um, just, just, hey, wait. All right, hold on. We're getting a, a second joke of the day, uh, coming in hot right now. So this is coming from my son's iPad. <laughs> um, what? Okay. Actually, you know what? Grayson, come here. Yeah, here. Just don't go on screen, but here, like, just... Say it into the mic, son. Oh, hold on. Hold on, hold on. You gotta say it into the mic, bro. What do you call monkeys when they go Speak crazy? into the mic, son. Like the microphone. What do you call monkeys when they go crazy? What do you call monkeys when they go crazy? You tell me, Grayson. You call them bananas. You call them bananas? I love it. Thank you so much, Grayson. <laughs> oh, man. Straight from the source is right. Thanks, Grayson, for the joke of the week. Doubles time. Double stop. All right, guys, hopefully you enjoyed that bonus jawjacking joke of the week from my directly from my son. Very nice. Um, I'm seeing right now, I'm just going to drop this story in chat really quickly. Uh, BSEC is saying that there's a Paycom story worth noting. Uh, they acknowledge that they were also impacted by MoveIt. Uh, lots of employee records and PII dumped 127 current and former clients. So I'll drop a link in chat if you're interested in going on that. I do have a speaking engagement in four minutes that I really should go to. Guys, thank you all so very much. Be good. Thank you all. Nick Barker, look forward to your post. All right, guys, we'll see you Monday at 8 a.m. Eastern time. Until next time, stay secure. 
everybody. I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one.